Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Well, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today, because He's worthy and good of all of our affection and our love this morning. It's so good to see you today. I don't know whether to say Merry Christmas or Happy New Year. We're kind of really kind of in between. We're kind of in a transition week. I know a lot of folks are still out celebrating Christmas with their families and they're traveling uh, this week, even today. And uh, something that's really on my heart today uh, has to do with our student ministry. Uh, Tomorrow morning, our our student ministry, our kids will be uh, traveling up to Northern Kentucky um, to experience Winter Advance. Winter Advance is a time where we really focus not on on, on retreating uh, from anything, but really advancing, advancing in our walk with Christ. And that's the prayer uh, for this week with our kids as they leave tomorrow morning. Uh, they'll be coming back on Wednesday, New Year's Day. So uh, please pray for them. Pray for those leaders who will be leading that trip this week. Uh, there may be some things that are needed for that trip. So please check out your bulletin this morning. Um, and look through all those things. Also, all the things that are coming up in the month of January as well. Uh, got some other news I want to share with you. Can't share all the details today. But, um, you know, last week we had asked the Lord uh, to do something special. It was a, a season of giving, a, a time uh, to think about giving even to the body of Christ as we think about our Christmas list and and uh, gifts for people that we bought and we tried not to make a big push or say a whole lot about it, but we just encouraged the body uh, to make a gift this Christmas uh, to the body of Christ uh, for our Square Up campaign. And uh, last week, um, God through the body showed up big time. Uh, just a- absolutely blown away uh, by the generosity of our Lord through his people. And so uh, I'll share details with you next week, the totals of that. Uh, but man, what a tremendous blessing last Sunday was. And we just believe that this is important. It's going to prepare us for our future and get us ready for what God has for us moving forward. Had a great time this morning in the first service. Uh, that service continues to grow. Uh, we see people new every week in that service, just like we see people here. So uh, just asking the Lord. Uh, to to touch us again uh, in a very special way in this service like he did uh, in the first service. And there's many times that I'll, I'll leave that service and and just really be amazed at what God did. And I'll be like, Lord, would you be so kind? Would you would you gracious grace us again uh, with your presence? And, and maybe even do something special and different in this, this service than what you did in the first. So we're overflowing with gratitude and appreciation of the Lord uh, today. Well, today, as we turn to Genesis, we are really going to break new ground today. Uh, We are leaving the message series, What Faith Looks Like, and we are going to start something new. It's, It's not new because a lot of you have been talking to me about this for the last month or so. Uh, We've been talking about prayer and 
and how it works. We know that, that prayer is a great gift from the Lord, but prayer can also be such a great mystery as well. And so over the last month or so, the, this conversation has been taking place within the body. It's been coming up time and time again. Just questions about prayer and the nature of prayer and what does prayer do? Does prayer change God? Does prayer change me? Uh, are there magic buttons and formulas in, in praying that affect God, that might move God? Why does God answer some prayers and maybe doesn't seem to answer other prayers? These are age-old questions, but yet for some reason in our body, it seems like this has been a topic that's come up time and time again. So the Lord has moved us in this way to ask some questions. And that's what we're going to do over the next several weeks. In fact, today, as you embark on this journey with us, uh, we actually might ask more questions than give any answers today. There may be more questions that come out of this than any answers that I, that I could give you. I also want to say hello to folks who are watching online this morning who stream our services, and I'm amazed how many folks do tune in every single week, and they stream, and so uh, as they watch even now, they're, they're a part of our body this morning. So we're turning to Genesis chapter 32. This seems to be where the Spirit has had us this week in beginning to explore this topic that we're going to call wrestling with God. So today we're going to be talking a lot about wrestling. In Genesis chapter 32, we, we find one of the neatest events and stories in Scripture. The backdrop of this story is, is actually about two brothers. Two brothers, their names are Jacob and Esau. Uh, their parents are Isaac and Rebekah, if you recall your Old Testament history. And the interesting thing about their relationship, the relationship between Jacob and Esau, is that their relationship was pretty contentious. Uh, there was conflict. There was strife in their relationship. Uh, the strife and the contention in the relationship even went as far back as the time that they were in the womb when they were being birthed. And there's a time when Esau, who was like the rugged, rugged, he's the outdoors guy, uh, he's the hunter. Jacob was a keeper of tents, seemed to be kind of more subdued. And Jacob seems to be the one who kind of emerges, at least at this point, as the focal point in this particular story today in Exodus 32. Jacob seemed to be the more, he seems to be the more quiet one. Uh, the name Jacob itself means supplanter. And you say, well, what in the world does the word supplanter mean? It's like the idea of someone who, who kind of breaks rank. Jacob has, is known to kind of be somewhat manipulative, kind of skirts around, if you will. He, he breaks rank. And even at the birth of Jacob and Esau, he reaches up and in the womb and grabs the heel of his older brother, Esau. Well, one day, one day, Esau comes in from hunting. He's hungry. He's famished. He's the older brother. Jacob had cooked 
lentil, some, some soup, and, and Esau wanted that. So he offered, in exchange for the soup, his birthright. His birthright as an older brother would mean, or the firstborn son, would mean that he would get a double portion of his father's inheritance. So he basically says, for a bowl of soup, I will give to you my inheritance. Then later on, Jacob and his mother, Rebekah, actually devise a plan to deceive Isaac, their father, so that Isaac would actually give to Jacob the blessing. From there, man, it just falls apart. These two brothers are at odds with one another. They're separated for a long period of time. And Jacob goes away. And he's away for about 20 years. And then God calls him to come back home. On his way back home, he, he knows that he's going to be confronted again with his brother Esau. And he's afraid. He is scared for his life. He's anticipating a battle. I mean a royal rumble with his brother Esau. So he looks at what he has. He looks at his camp and he decides, I need to split up my camp. Because if I don't split them up and send part of my camp away, my brother Esau is going to destroy and take everything I've got. So the scripture tells us in Genesis chapter 32, at the very beginning of the text, that Jacob, this is verse 20, I'm sorry, verse 7, that Jacob was greatly afraid and what? Greatly afraid and what? And distressed. That's when he divided up his camp. Then he comes up with a plan to, make, to basically send to his brother Esau peace offerings, if you will. So that hopefully when he is confronted with his brother, the peace offerings, they'll soften the blow of what is going to come. Then in his fear and in his distress, he retreats and he gets alone. And here's where a lot of questions begin to come into play. As Jacob gets alone with God, is this a picture of prayer? He's been talking to God already up to this point. Uh, he's been going back and forth with the Lord. You can see that all throughout the text in Genesis 32. But he gets alone. And it seems to be that he is going to get alone to find peace. To find some kind of resolve. Maybe to get the Lord's blessing. Uh, the Lord's faith. He's hoping for something to come from God in his time alone with God. And this is where the story really gets interesting. We pick up in verse 24. Jacob was left alone 
and a man. A man wrestled with him. Unknown man, he's, he's not named in the text. Later, um, names will come up. Jacob will ask him. His name's not given. We'll call him the mystery man. A man wrestled with him, wrestled with Jacob until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him. When the man saw that he was not prevailing against Jacob. Jacob was not letting go of this man in this wrestling match. He touched the socket of his thigh. The man strikes a blow to Jacob's hip. So that the socket of Jacob's thigh, Jacob's hip, was dislocated while he wrestled with him. So it's like, the man's like, he's not letting me go. I'm not prevailing against him. But I'm going to break his hip. He dislocated his hip. I don't know what kind of wrestling move he put on him. But he put something on him. And he touched that hip. And that hip was dislocated. Then he said, the man to Jacob. Let me go for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob said, Jacob. Which again means supplanter, right? Supplanter, the one who breaks ranks. To get what he wants. He said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob. But Israel. He gets a new name out of this deal. And a new identity. And we'll talk later about what the name Israel means. For you have, and this is an interesting term. You have striven with God. Isn't that a unique way to express that in the English? You have Striven with God. Striven with God. It's just kind of interesting, right? To strive means to contend. It means to lay a hold of something, or in this case, someone, with such great tenacity and effort that you're not going to let go until what you desire or what you seek has been granted. You will be called Israel, he says, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? Apparently that's not important what's going to happen here. And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel. For he said, I have seen God face to face. Whoa. Somehow in this wrestling match, Jacob thought he was wrestling with a man. But he sees the face of God. 
it's like he was wrestling with God. Now, maybe this was a manifestation of God through this man. Uh, perhaps this was some type of representation of God. We don't know for sure in the text. But for Jacob, it's like he's wrestled with God. And now he sees God face to face, yet he says, my life has been preserved. Now, the sun rose up on him just as he crossed over Peniel, and he was doing what? Watch this part. He was doing what? He was, what? He, he had his hip dislocated. So if you're going to get your hip dislocated in a wrestling match, you're probably going to walk with a what? You're going to walk with a what? You're going to walk with a, come on now. You're going to walk with a limp. He was limping on his thigh. Therefore, to this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip, which is on the socket of the thigh. This becomes like a holy moment that is to be honored and, and never forgotten. Because for the Jews from this point forward, they would see Jacob not as a man who had a dislocated hip. but a man with a dislocated hip who'd been touched by God. To this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip which is on the socket of the thigh because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of the hip. Uh, Father, as we come to this text today, and Father, as we come to the great question of what it means to wrestle with you. I pray that as we begin to break this ground and we know that in breaking ground it can be rough. There's a lot of uh, stumps and uh, there's clods in this ground and Lord it can be very rough today but when you break ground you're starting something new and you're exploring what is to come. So, Father, we ask that your spirit would be our guide, that your spirit would be our teacher, that we would learn of your ways and of your heart as we begin working through this text and this message series today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we are going to take a very serious digression here in just a few moments. Uh, because we're talking today a great deal about wrestling. Uh, do we have any folks here today who are fans of wrestling? Any wrestling maniacs, big fans of wrestling out here today? Anybody at all? Anybody want to just admit, you know, want to confess? I am a huge fan of wrestling. I asked Taylor Hicks before the first service today, I said, Taylor, did you grow up you know, watching wrestling back in the 80s and 90s when you were growing up. He says, uh, my parents, they didn't like wrestling. They would not let me watch it on TV, but I wanted to watch it so bad, he said. So any wrestling fans out here today? Well, in 2018, Bleacher Report, BleacherReport.com, Bleacher Report Magazine, came out with the top 10 greatest wrestlers of all time in WWF, WWE. Now, granted, I didn't grow up a huge wrestling person, 
So I'm probably going to misstate some things to say today. I'll probably say some names wrong. And after the service, you might want to correct the preacher on a lot of stuff that has to do with wrestling. So I admit, I'm, I'm a bit of a novice when it comes to uh, everything about wrestling. I didn't even understand why WWF became WWE. That, I, I, that threw me off until I researched it this week. And it all had to do with like, naming rights that Vince McMahon had the World Wrestling Federation, and there was actually a, a, another organization that accused him of, of stealing or taking away uh, the initials, WWF. So this lawsuit came about in the 2000s, and so he was like, okay, well, we'll just become World Wrestling Entertainment. And so WWF became WWE. Now, is there anybody who would admit that you had a grandmother who loved wrestling? I mean, for years, I would hear people say, my grandma, she loved wrestling. She believed that wrestling was real and the moonshot was fake. Have you all heard that before? Anybody have a grandma who loved wrestling? Well, I'm going to give you today the top, according to Bleacher, Bleacher Report magazine, the top 10 greatest WWF, WWE wrestlers of all time so i know some of you right now you're probably going in your mind and you're you're getting them in your head straight right now and you might even want to argue with this report and you can but just don't argue with me it's not my report okay now some of my favorites from back in the day in the 80s they make the list um some i barely remember okay uh, number 10 greatest wwf wwe wrestlers of all time uh who is this guy Go ahead, call it out. You might not know, you might not know Adam from Eve, but you know Mick Foley, right? This is Mick Foley. Number nine, who makes the list? Who's this guy? This is Rowdy Roddy Piper. Number eight, the man. Macho man, Randy Savage. Number seven, makes the list. You know who that guy is? John Cena, I want to be honest with you. I had to really search hard for all these pictures because I didn't want to bring in a bunch of pictures with men without their clothes on. I didn't want some of you ladies passing out or falling out, you know, in the service today. So I really had to search hard to, to you know, find these wrestlers fully clothed, all right? Or at least partially clothed, all right? John Cena, number six. Who's this guy? Go ahead. The Undertaker. Uh... Number five, kind of an old school guy, Rick Flair. Number four on the list, the Hulk himself, Hulkamania, Hulk Hogan. Uh, number three, become a famous actor, really. You might know him more for acting than his wrestling days. This is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now, number two, before you put number two up, I really want to make sure I found a picture with his shirt on. Because this dude is known as the Heartbreak Kid. Number two, coming in, all-time greatest list, the Heartbreak Kid, Mr. Shawn Michaels. And who in the world do you think is going to be number one? According to Bleacher Report, 2018, number one on the list is Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I could throw out to you all their honorable mentions, and their honorable mentions, your favorite wrestler might be in there. But I want you to imagine with me for a second. Just wrestling with any one of these guys, okay? Just wrestling with any of these guys. 
when Brady was a little boy, we wrestled all the time. I mean, he would come into the house, and Brady would be like, Dad, let's wrestle. And I mean, we would go into the bedroom, and the bed became the wrestling, you know, the, 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 the mat, whatever. And I would come up with all these nicknames for characters. Uh, I was like, one time I was Hacksaw Harry. And I'd come in with this move, you know. Now, we didn't come out with the theme music and, the, you know, every, all, these, all these wrestlers, they had their final move and everything, you know. I'd come out with Hacksaw Harry. Then one time I got really creative, really creative. I was Larry the hot dog vendor. <laughs> I mean, just came out of nowhere. I'm going to whip you with these hot dogs, kid, you know. You know and we would, we would wrestle. And wrestling was a way of life. You, we grew up, any of y'all have brothers that you wrestled with? Brothers that you wrestled with? All right, what about you girls? Did you girls ever wrestle together? Like in the first service, in the first service, there was this one lady, I'm not kidding you, do not repeat this. In the first service, when I said any of you had sisters you wrestled with, it's like her hand it was like starting to go up like this right here. She's like, yeah, yeah. So you and your, your sisters, you threw down, you had some wrestling matches. But it's a way of life. We wrestled all the time. Have you ever, though, have you ever wrestled with God? Maybe you were seeking for an answer for something you were dealing with in your life. You needed God to step into your situation of your life. And you began a season of wrestling with God. One of the questions that we're going to ask about this story today in Genesis is this. Is this an isolated event? Jacob wrestling with this man who would be this God figure, basically wrestling with God. Is this an isolated event in Scripture that is never to be repeated? Or... Is this a picture of what life could look like for us when we pray and when we wrestle with God? There's some conditions that come into, we'll call these pre-existing conditions that lead up to the wrestling match with God. Pre-existing conditions, a relationship that was strained, Jacob and Esau, a call of God to go home to Jacob, back to his home country, and Jacob being filled with fear and distress. In fact, he is so fearful of a, of a wrestling match with Esau a war with Esau, that he fears everything he has being lost or taken and destroyed. So he surmises in the situation that he is already going to lose. So he divides his camp. And he decides, well, if I divide my camp and send part of my camp away, then when the other part of the camp does war with Esau and I'm defeated then I won't, I won't have lost everything. So he divides his camp. 
then Esau, I'm sorry, then Jacob, in beginning to seek out the Lord, to seek the Lord's help, look for answers from God. Uh, chapter 32 in Genesis uh, is filled with Jacob uh, talking to God all the time, saying, Oh God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Oh Lord, who did say to me, Return to your country and to your relatives, and I'll prosper you. I'm unworthy of all the loving kindness and of all the faithfulness which you have shown to me for with my staff only I crossed this Jordan and now I've become two companies and he says deliver me I pray from the hand of my brother from the hand of Esau for I fear him lest he come and attack the mothers with the children then he comes up with the plan about the peace offerings and how he can send things to his brother and hopefully it's going to soften the blow and the confrontation, the wrestling match that they are going to have together. And that's when it happens. The text says in verse 24 that he's left alone, that Jacob is left alone. And a man shows up. And wrestles with him until daybreak. And as we read earlier, the man does not prevail over Jacob. And the man recognizes that Jacob is not going to let go. So he acknowledges this to Jacob. And then he's like, okay, um, you're hanging on to me. I'm going to put a move on you. And he touches Jacob's hip. And, and, and I don't imagine unless it is, in fact, this supernatural touch that something magical almost happens to where, where, where the man just says, ah, or, you know, you're like you're wrestling your kid and, and, and Brady's up around my head, okay? And that little dude wouldn't quit for nothing. In, in fact, I don't wrestle him today. I don't want to hurt him. No, I don't want him hurting me. But that little dude, he was like a bad wart that would not go away when he wrestled. I mean, just all over me. And I mean, limbs and fingers are flailing and everything. And it'd be like, oh, I just can't imagine it, the man being like, doing. I'm just picturing some kind of move. And he strikes him in the hip. What's implied in this text that's very important is that Jacob wrestles through pain. There's a possibility that Jacob wants to tap out. I'm done. I'm finished. This hurts too much. There's too much pain here. But it is implied emphatically in the text that Jacob wrestles through pain. And again, this is wrestling with God through pain. Even when, even when it's understood or it's thought that God is the one that touched you who caused 
the pain. Now there's a possibility that the revelation of God in this moment doesn't come to Jacob until later. Perhaps Jacob, he's only wrestling with a man, but, but the tenacity of which he wrestles and hangs on implies he knows there is something much bigger at stake here than just him wrestling with some dude that shows up in the night. So he learns how to wrestle through pain. Could it be that for some of us, when we begin to wrestle with God and pain comes, we tap out before the revelation comes in our life. Then we're like, I'm out of here. I'm done. But remember, this is not the man refusing to let go of Jacob. This is Jacob refusing to let go of the man. And he says, the man, I will, Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He then gets a new name out of the deal. He's called Israel, which means the one who has contended, the one who has striven with God and with men and have prevailed. When Jacob asks him and says about his name, he just simply says in verse 30, Jacob named the place Peniel, which the word Peniel means the face of God. For he said, I have seen God's face. I've seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Something to note here is regardless of what Jacob was looking for, God doesn't seem to give him the specific answer to what he's searching for. In fact, God's going to complicate it, and I'm going to show you how in just a second. He doesn't give him the answer he's looking for. But he shows him his face. And could it be that it's, that it's not until we see just the sufficiency of God's face in our situation or circumstance. Will we not then find the peace that we're maybe, that we're looking for? God just shows him his face. And all that would come with his face. The other thing to realize is this. For many people to see the face of God meant death. But for Jacob to see the face of God and to not die. But yet to have God's, God's favor and God's presence in his life. Is absolutely huge for Jacob. But when Jacob leaves this day. He leaves it with a limp. Years ago, I had a mentor who used to say all the time, he'd say, don't trust a man who walks without a limp. Don't trust a man who walks without a limp. 
A man who walks with a limp is a man who has gained wisdom of life through pain. He's gained wisdom of life through pain. A man who walks with a limp is also a man who has wrestled with God. He's wrestled with God. And his limp serves as a reminder of a time in his life that although there was pain in his life, he was with God during that time of his life. Years ago, when I went through a very painful season and time of my life, it was a time that I saw God more clearly in my life than any time that I was pain-free in my life. Don't trust a person who doesn't walk without a limp. They've experienced pain. They've gained wisdom of life through pain. And they've been with God. And that's a life that you can trust. Is this a picture of striving with God in prayer. Next week, I'm going to bring out something else in this text that is absolutely mind-blowing. But for now, I want you to stand with me. And I want us to take for a moment here a time to just simply reflect and to think about your own life. Have you wrestled with God? Maybe today you're wrestling with him about a situation or a circumstance in your life. Maybe there's been times that you've wanted to tap out because the pain was so great. But would you take the heart and the mind today to say to the Lord, God, I'm not letting go of you until, until I see your face. In my situation. And when I see your face in my situation. That'll be enough for me. Because everything about you. Will come with that. So our prayer counselors are going to slip out. If there's a need pressing in on your life today. You're invited to come. You can share with one of these prayer counselors. They'll pray with you. They'll talk with you. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.